0: Celtics Lab podcast. We are back, but we're not happy about it, and you already know why. Called back into service, we're relaunching the Celtics Lab podcast to help fill the basketball sized hole in our lives and to keep you up to date with what's going on with regards to the NBA, the Boston Celtics, and the pandemic interrupting it. All listeners may know us from our previous iterations as independent and Celtics Life affiliated podcasts, but for those of you who are new to us, Let's introduce ourselves again. I am Justin Quinn. Uh, You may have run into my writing on the Celtics Wire. And we also have uh, Matt Esposito and Cam Tabatabai. Could you guys tell us a little bit about what you guys are up to? Sure. Sure.
1: Um, (laughs) So I currently write for Reds Army. I used to write for OTG Basketball. Um, And that is about my life right now as we go through this pandemic. And that was Matt. And uh, I'm over at Celtics Hub and OTG
2: Basketball. Uh, I am using basketball to fill lots of voids in my life right now.
0: Yeah, there there is a really weird thing going on. And uh, I, I think like the rest of us, um, I am absolutely flummoxed. You know, it's for use of a unusual word for unusual times. Uh, <laughs> I think we are all trying to adapt to this new reality, and it's really not like anything that was even around maybe even my grandparents' time, and I'm 43 years old, Maybe before we jump into the big news, we just uh, talk a little bit about what's going on in our own personal lives. I'm uh, here in Mexico City. For those of you who don't know, I'm a doctor of anthropology, and I ended up coming down here to do uh, my Ph.D. research and ended up meeting my wife and got married and stayed here, which is how you have a Celtics podcast uh, being partially recorded in Mexico. And... You know, I don't know about how things are in Connecticut and Massachusetts where y'all are, uh, but here in Mexico, people are just starting to really take things seriously, practice some um, limited social distancing, shutting down of schools and large events is just starting to happen now. Um, maybe, uh, Cammy, you could tell us what's going on in your neck of the woods.
2: Yeah, so uh, I'm sitting in Somerville right now. So for people outside of the Boston area, that's just north of the city, I think. Took a drive through town just out of sheer boredom yesterday and downtown was dead seaport was dead like the city itself was dead and pretty eerie to see uh but then counterintuitively everyone is working from home so everyone went for a walk so i went down to castle island if people know that in the boston area and it was popping it was probably busier than it would have been otherwise same thing i went to the grocery store a few days ago and you other than the fact that there was no toilet paper on the shelves you wouldn't know that <laughs> anything weird is happening pretty troubling to see so uh i moonlight as a high school teacher and we're on spring break right now so i um i've like i bought a bird feeder like i'm just grasping at straws trying to stay busy but uh outside of a few notes here and there it's not as uh locked down as maybe it ought to be
1: yeah i uh, i teach high school as well um in Connecticut. It's actually my first year teaching, so this has been a pretty wild first year, but I was just reading the other day, I follow one of our, um, she's a congresswoman, um, and she said that Connecticut has the number two like best response rate, so that's pretty cool, but then like the other day I was just driving around and you go to the stores. I don't know. There's maybe it's my neck of the woods, but there is a little bit of panic. And I get like random texts from people I haven't heard in a while, saying like, "Hey, I heard from a source you should be stocking up on food for the next month." And I'm like, "Well, like, who's your source? Like, this isn't exactly the New York Times here." So it's been interesting um, to kind of monitor like the social reaction. But um, overall, I think we're doing we're doing okay, right? I think we're hanging in there. So
0: well. One person who is not doing what I would call okay is Boston oh, Celtics. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, we gotta be honest, man. This is some serious stuff. So, Marcus Smart, man, he is positive with the coronavirus behind all of this. But, and this is very important, he's asymptomatic and could be, you know, if he was like a lot of people, you know, here in Mexico, in the United States, wandering around doing whatever. You could be spreading it. And he made a point of of telling people that we should be thinking of this as if we are already carrying it and that we could be the ones spreading it, not that we are trying to avoid it, which I thought was really important to say. Social distancing. I mean, we're all doing that, but I I hope everyone who's listening is as well because, well, here, Cam, why should we social distance?
2: Yeah, uh, well, without... Uh, I'll walk on eggshells here. I don't know that leadership in this country is necessarily telling us all the right things, although Dr. Fauci seems like he's a cool guy. Uh, And so it's falling on doctors yell into the abyss, please stay home for our benefit. And the next line of defense in messaging has been professional athletes. And now I guess I'm third in line. I'm the third person (laughs) who needs to tell (laughs) you to stay home. I mean, thank goodness that people like Sean Payton getting coronavirus. I hope him all the best. I hope nothing comes of this, but for him to use his platform in a state like Louisiana, that's huge. Um, The reporting very quickly. I think we all got Twitter notifications. A Celtics player uh, has coronavirus and maybe HIPAA violations were stopping Shams and Woj from reporting it. But Marcus said, no, I'm going to record a little video and make sure I get the word out.
0: What's up, everyone? So I just found out I tested positive for the coronavirus. I'm okay. I feel fine. Um, I don't feel any of the symptoms, um, but I can't stress enough of practicing social distancing and really, you know, keeping yourself away from a large group of people, um, and just really washing your hands and and help protect yourself and help protect others by protecting yourself. Thank you.
2: Uh, so you should socially distance because soon the hospitals will not in this country will not have the capacity to treat everyone, and the longer that we can. Slow the spread of this disease, the better for the healthcare services. So that's—I'm not even on a
1: soapbox. I'm right about this. Yep,
0: <laughs> yeah. it's absolutely true. Uh, well, what's
1: what's yeah. weird about it is, you know, being that it's—I don't even know what day it is of the quarantine anymore, like six or seven, or. Um, <laughs> but I ended up going down a Mario Chalmers rabbit hole Uh, (laughs) yeah oh boy (laughs) i wasn't expecting no i know and so i found out that he has this crazy wingspan that he's like uh, i think six foot one or six foot two but his wingspan is like right near seven feet and it's it got me thinking about how we think of athletes as like superhuman so to see marcus smart come down with this kind of made him more human and it's it was a weird feeling like you know i'm used to seeing marcus do that weird, you know, he gets knocked down to the floor and does that, like, matrix jump onto his feet. You know what I mean? So it was just – it's weird seeing that this happened, but it it makes it a little more real.
2: Yeah, and I think it's it's such a microcosm. I was talking about this the other day with uh, my stepdad. Yes, uh, professional athletes sweat on each other, and they get in each other's business, and they handle the same ball for however long. But in short order, I mean, four members of the Nets, two playing in the Jazz, (laughs) members of the Sixers staff, two members of the Lakers, Marcus Smart, and however many other people in the NBA universe have been, have tested positive, and the only reason we know that is because they seem to have access to tests that the American public does not. I would hazard most professions are something like this, where it's just going to rip through a business or an industry, and until we start testing people, we're not going to have stories like this, so I think this is, yes, it's great that these athletes have this platform, and Also, it's great that Mario Chalmers has really long arms, uh, but it's also (laughs) (laughs) in these trying times. It's all we've got. Uh, Yeah, no, I mean, as someone who works in a school uh, and I'm uh, at Tufts right now, as someone who's in a place that's often packed, I just think that this curve that we're trying to flatten is about to get really worse.
0: I hope you're wrong.
2: Yeah. So you guys want to talk about basketball? (laughs)
1: Let's do it. (laughs) Can I now? Can I sneak in one "I Told You So" story very quickly? What do you do? So I was that um, growing up, I was definitely that child who, like, their mom would run over during the halftime of a soccer game and like put sunscreen on their face. Um, <laughs> and, she, and so at the end of basketball games, she would always like make me wash my hand hands, and she'd be like, "Oh no, no, like, like you're touching the basketball. Like, you know, it's the winter. It's when all these, you know, all this stuff's going around." And she literally hit me with, and I told you so. Like, you know, it was delayed by about 10 years, but it was the biggest I told you so I've ever heard <laughs> when she heard just, all this basketball news.
2: I'm just thinking of your mom sitting like that Kobe meme, with his hands uh, folded in his lap. That's right. That's,
1: that was basically her. <laughs> that was her one shining moment. Good for your mom. Good for my mom. Yeah.
0: feelings about the nba and how it's handled things and what's been going on since uh, last wednesday the 11th That's
2: it incredible. seems it's, i mean it's yeah it's incredible i don't think anyone has experienced anything quite like this uh i think the pushback that why are these players getting tested and other people aren't is valid mm-hmm. although they are private testing i mean if you can test you should test i suppose uh
0: I think NBA it. teams are rich. I mean, they've always been... Rich people have always been able to have different access and, like, it sucks that that's the case. But, I mean, you know, they, they, there is an argument for them being potential spreaders uh, because of what they do for a living. Um, mm-hmm. And the the problem with the lack of testing is not rich people's fault per se. It's our government's fault. Really. Yeah, don't
2: quite blame Adam Silver on that one.
0: Yeah. Oh. Sorry, I interrupted.
2: Go ahead. No, not at all. Uh, I think it's just been... Uh, for This is a privileged thing to say as someone who right now is enjoying reasonable health. It's been fascinating. Um, I mean, that night where Gobert, the guy runs on the floor and cancels the game. I mean, everything that precipitated after was so incredible to see how players are uh, leveraging the money they have to help out people who work in arenas and the way owners are uh, coming together. I mean, who knows if it'll be enough, but just to see it cas- kind of cascade has been really great. I think the NBA is being really transparent, which is nice for fans. Uh, they just opened up league pass so that, uh, and this is called a tease, boys and girls. Uh, so anyone can watch any game from this season. Uh, so you, I think there are definitely people in leadership positions uh, in the public and private sector who are not making good choices. Uh, but there's no s- script here to follow. So I hope people are doing the best that they can. I suspect some people aren't. Uh, but at least in terms of basketball and most sports leagues, the way that they're handling this, I mean, I mean, this whole thing went down last Wednesday. That feels like years ago.
1: I don't know. Sometimes I feel like it's it's hard for me to know it, like when I'm angry, like, is it justified? Like, because this does show a little bit of um, like a class divide and, and who has access um, accessibility to tests and 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 everything else that goes along regarding healthcare care and, and the coronavirus so um the NBA listen they've done some good things they've done some things that are probably going to get some people angry but I think what I keep coming back to is you know these for many people right now this is like an unprecedented time so you know this is something that's hard to deal with um I think that I'm just reminding myself myself to kind of withhold judgment a little bit um, because I don't know how I would handle everything going on if I was Adam Silver or one of the players or someone who um, just works at one of the arenas. So um, yeah, it's weird. It's weird that I have to remind myself to like take a deep breath about this, which I'll probably have to do until like, I don't know, for the foreseeable future.
0: It's a fair point. I mean, ultimately the way I'm looking at it through a very similar lens is just that The NBA is a business at the end of the day. As much as it's entertainment, as much as we we look at these people as kind of like family adjacent even to some some levels, it's a business. And a business operates in capitalism and capitalism operates on profit. And the prerogative of profit is to try to do as much of it as you can with as minimal damage as possible. And – you know, there there are some serious shortcomings with the type of capitalism that is, you know, not to get all crazy uh, anthropological on us, but it's just the, the, the hallmark of the age. There's not a lot of regulation in terms of stuff like this. And it's showing um, that's as far as into politics as I'm going to go with that, because this is a basketball <laughs> podcast. Uh, but why don't we uh, move on from from that incredibly explosive topic uh, to something a little, <laughs> little less so? And maybe talk about, um, you know, the state of the NBA where we last left it. Um, Hopefully, we're going to be able to resume um, in at least June-ish is what I'm hearing at this point. There were some hopes that maybe it could be earlier than that. But recent Centers for Disease Control uh, recommendations have pushed that into the future. And we don't even know if that's going to be possible. Um, it really depends on how much y'all stay in your houses and practice social distancing, um, among other things. What will we think about in terms of end of season awards if we did not resume the regular season, if we just went right into the playoffs? Like, who would win? You know, MVP, most improved player, defensive player of the year, um, things like that. Let's
1: start with with MVP. Matt. Sure. I have. So I have Giannis. Um, and I could definitely, you know, I think it before the season got suspended, everyone saw the LeBron narrative starting to build, but, um, it just, to me, what, when you take a a step back and just look at what Giannis has done this year, it's absolutely amazing. And when you pair that with his team success, um, he should be the front runner and, I completely understand why people would want a LeBron narrative. I think what he's doing at his age and how good the Lakers have been. Um, I get that, but the way I look at it is if you, if someone is going to beat LeBron for this MVP, they'd have to be having, you know, such a remarkable season. And like, what would that look like in my head? Well, it looks like what Giannis has done this year. Um, so I'm I'm more than comfortable with Giannis getting an MVP award if if you know we do have this shortened season.
0: I am going to be incredibly boring and completely agree with you. I do see the case for for LeBron, but like a lot of things with LeBron, it's always about context, and sometimes um, context isn't as important, particularly when you're dealing with someone who's putting up a, a very easily arguably better season who has never won the award before, unlike LeBron. What do you uh think personally,
2: Cam? Well, I mean, it's it's all about narrative, for better or for worse. I mean, it's the same thing as like the Oscars or anything else. It comes down to momentum and uh to who favors who. Uh I think that probably the the forces behind LeBron would have made it a race, so to speak. I mean, LeBron has had an unbelievable season and has played like an MVP. Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, though, but I know off the top of my head that Giannis has had an even better season by a fair margin. Uh, I don't think it's fair to compare Chris Middleton to Anthony Davis, so I'm not going to do that, but it seems like what Giannis <laughs> is doing in, like, 12 minutes of playing time and night is truly historic. So as much as we are so proud of LeBron for 17 seasons, and it would be the kind of MVP that makes up for seasons when he should have won it, and all of that uh, built in. Just think that the season that Giannis was having maybe be different if he didn't play in Milwaukee, but uh, it, I think it flew under the radar as being possibly one of the best individual seasons of all time. So I I love LeBron. I think he did a great job. I'm very proud of him. Uh, but it's Giannis, and it's not even close for me.
0: All right, unanimous. Most improved player?
1: Matt. So this one I... This this was hard for me to to come to a conclusion too, but I ended up going with Brandon Ingram. Um, Interesting.
0: Why? Yeah, oh, what I
1: have. <laughs> oh, let's go. Um, <laughs> so here's I needed some validation right there. So, you know, I was looking over his stats again today, and some of the things that that really pop, popped out to me was his three point volume. So like he basically last year he shot one point eight threes per game and this year he's up to over six and he's still shooting you know right around 39 percent on that um and when you watch him play he just looks much more complete he looks more aggressive um I think defensively he's shown his potential uh he gets around four assists per game I, I don't know I just I me personally I think I was a little not out on Ingram but um, I definitely got caught up in the Ingram and Kuzma versus Tatum and Brown debate. And I think that soured me on Ingram a little bit and to see him go to this new situation and completely blossom. Um, and, and I think a lot of the proof is in the pudding there. So um, that's that's who I would go with for sure.
2: Yeah, I, have, uh, I actually have Ingram at the top of my list too. I guess uh, I won't pile on. Other than to say, I mean, what it would look like when Zion is fully back in the fold, I don't know. But those stretches where... The Pelicans were playing, like, 500 ball, and a lot of it was going through Ingram. Ingram looked great, uh, which I know is not, like, a high-level observation, but (laughs) I'm I'm standing by it. Uh, I guess I would also shout out Bam Adebayo. I mean, everyone knows that first-time All-Star and just kind of the leap that he took. I think Sabonis is somewhere on the list. I don't think he wins it, but he is deserving of recognition. Yeah, Uh, sure. Devonte Graham, again, not a sexy name, definitely not someone who would win the award, but just at face value, I mean, what he was able to do in the pretty tumultuous season for the Hornets is pretty interesting to me. Uh, and then there's a name conspicuously not been said yet. Justin, do you want to get to that?
0: Yeah, and he's my pick. Uh, this is Jason Tatum, and really my argument is pretty straightforward. Um, he was averaging about 16 points per game last season, and in the month of February, he almost doubled that. Now, if the season continued, I do think that Ingram would probably overtake him. And there's a lot of other good candidates that you guys have mentioned. Um, Graham, in particular, I thought was just sizzling in the first half of the season, but he kind of fell off a bit uh, later on. Uh, but for me, you know, the, the, the explosion in terms of not just the offense, but you know, he's uh, Tatum is you know morphed into one of the Absolute best um defenders in the nBA, please excuse the garbage men in my background uh, in Mexico. They yell when they're here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for me, that is it's very hard to make an argument that someone has improved better than that and now, and again, I have to 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 say if the season ended now because I think we all know that that Tatum was you know kind of cooling down just a little bit. And it wouldn't have surprised me at all if he continued to do that down to more like the 24, 25, 26 points per game uh, going forward. Uh, It seems like a much more reasonable level. And, you know, that's still superstar status. It's no knock against him. It's not saying that anything that was happening in February wasn't real. Uh, But it would be one of the biggest leaps on the entire memory of my fandom of basketball uh, in one season if he were to maintain that kind of hectic pace. So, again, I just want to say if the season ended today.
2: Right, and um, I think um, probably we're bearing the lead because I suspect, I haven't looked, but okay. Pascal Siakam has to be really high on the list if he were a betting person. Uh, but just because these wards hinge so much on narrative and momentum, I mean, he was so hot right out of the gate and then stayed great, uh, but I don't think like, took it to another level, whereas Tatum, you know, we saw him take this leap. So I think, yeah, Justin, you might be right that that, he might have cooled off towards the end of the season, but I think he would also have kind of this like narrative momentum um guiding him.
0: So defensive player of the year.
1: I uh, so this is who I had. Um and I I don't know, I really like this idea of a player that is so good they can win two of the major awards. So I'm gonna go with Giannis again. Um nice. Yeah, I, I don't know. And, I, and then I started doing like a mental list of guys who could theoretically win MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. And so he's up there and, and, you know, this is probably a podcast for another day, but guys like maybe Embiid or Anthony Davis. So to me, that like puts you in a different category of player. But um, when you just look back at what he's done, I think there are some major differences between him and the other uh, candidates that would be on this list. Um, I mean, he can truly guard one through five. His numbers when defending opponents at the rim are really good. Um, All of his um, on-off stuff is great. And then I think part of it is just the eye test, because we know how hard defensive analytics can be. Um, And at at the end of the day, when when he decides to put the clamps on someone, I think he does it just about as good as anyone in the league, and he does do it pretty consistently. You know, Maybe I'm kind of... Gushing about Giannis a little too much, but I, I just think that's the impact that he's had this year, and you can see it in his team's win-loss record. So I would I would give it to him, but um, this is probably an award I could be convinced to change my mind about. I mean, I can't
2: praise Giannis enough. I think SPZ does right. Like what uh, Giannis can do defensively on a basketball court. If Jess were honing in on the nineteen or twenty nineteen twenty season, yeah, I think I'd pick Giannis as defensive player. Uh, apropos of winning the MVP or not. Uh, That said, if Giannis is off the board for some reason, I think I'm giving it to Smart. I think he's probably, again, one of the defenders I would pick first when we have to play the Aliens, but uh, knowing that this is kind of narrative-driven, I think his star kind of shone a little brighter this year. I think he had kind of that national recognition um, that it takes to win these kind of awards. So as much as, I mean, Gobert tongue-in-cheek i mean he stopped the whole league so he's got all he's he is def- definitionally the defensive player of the year but uh i'd probably give it to smart if i actually was a voter
0: you could make the argument that uh smart is doing a very similar thing with uh self-quarantine he's defending all of us from the coronavirus I, oh, I, I like that, that. yeah but Um, I am also going with smart here, um, unless we want to say he's off the board, just for the simple fact that this is usually a big man's award. And, you know, not only is he in, in the conversation, but he's in the conversation defending big men you know at six with yeah. six so uh for me that that is something that that gives him an additional boost though i mean you know arguments for gobert or even for anthony davis who is basically almost single-handedly created one of the best defenses in the entire nba i mean lebron is doing very very well compared to past years but i mean let's be honest uh, the lakers are a top 10 defense consistently because of him and not really anyone else um, what about rookie of the year? This to me seems like it's a two man race, but I mean, is there anyone out there besides John Zion, uh, John Morant and, uh, Zion Williamson that anyone should be thinking about?
1: So John's the obvious winner in this one, but other guys I could see landing on this all rookie team, um, just in terms of impact, mm-hmm. one name that I would like to focus on, and this hurts me because I'm a big Celtics fan. Um, but Matisse Thybul has been like awesome oh, this year, indeed. um, and you know, obviously, he's not going to be, um, you know, right next to John Morant in this category, but he's someone who I think is going to make an All Rookie team and, and has a really bright future. Um, so I, you know, that's just a name that I would focus on, especially going forward. Yeah, I think this
2: class has a lot of cool names. Uh, if Kendrick Nunn counts as a rookie, I mean, he deserves some praise. Tyler Hero deserves some praise too. I mean, the Heat mm. have some great young players. Uh, Grant Williams, if <laughs> it was just like nice guy rookie of the year maybe he wins that one but certainly it's got to come down to john uh, zion and i love zion and i think zion played out of his mind but he only played out of his mind for like a dozen games so uh i think it's morant uh, whether or not the season continues or not i have to agree
0: i mean he's he's basically carrying the grizzlies to an amazing season not single-handedly but i mean it's just not happening without him um zion has been really 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 impressive and he's going to be a nightmare for teams in the future but again he just hasn't had enough games particularly if we have no more so
1: yeah. i'd, I'd also i'm sorry go ahead, go ahead. No. so i i'd also give a shout out to uh his teammate brandon clark who is doing some really really awesome stuff right now um and he's kind of you know coming into the season people didn't know if he could shoot but he's shooting 40 percent from three um if you get a chance, check out his per 36 minutes. They're unbelievable. So I think that's part of the reason John Brandt's doing so good. Um, but the, the Grizzlies for sure have a awesome young core down there.
0: Top three NBA games across the NBA so far. Uh, for me, it uh, starts with... Being the Celtics homer that I am, the absolute beatdown of the Los Angeles Lakers, 139 107 on January 28th. That is my top game overall. It pains me to say that the Caris Levert game uh, against the Celtics yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at the beginning of March um, is another one, but I mean, that was just utterly impressive to watch. I, I can't remember just seeing a, a player come out of nowhere like that to score. 51 points, five assists, four boards in that contest, and then the Milwaukee went over the Lakers um on the 19th of December. Uh, Giannis put up 34 uh, points, 11 boards, and seven rebounds in that game. Those are those are the three games that really stand out to me uh, as the most impressive. I, I wavered a little bit about the recent Clippers Lakers game, but to, to me, at that point, I think the, the the Clippers star, at least in the regular season, had diminished enough where I don't think it was as important as it might have. Been been earlier in the season matt what about you like what what stands out for you for your three most
1: favorite? so my my game of the year um was when the clippers came to boston um that that game was unbelievable that That, yeah, that was just when you talk about entertainment i mean that was one of the most entertaining just outside of basketball just one of the most entertaining sporting events I've, i've seen in a long long time i had a toronto dallas game um, I'm sorry if you can hear my my dog barking, but okay. uh, I, have I think Toronto back. was down. <laughs> I think Toronto was down 30, if I remember, going oh, into that the fourth. Game, yeah, yeah. It was wild. Um, and then I had a, a another Clippers Lakers game. Um, it was earlier in the season, mm-hmm. and the Clippers ended up winning. But I just, for me, it was this preview of what we could have seen. Um, And I was just really looking forward to those two teams playing each other in the playoffs, which still might happen. Um, But so those would be my three games. And if you have a chance, go rewatch that Toronto-Dallas game because it's just as wild as that Nets comeback.
0: And League Pass is free.
1: That's right. Yeah, Lord knows we have the time to rewatch these games. It's really nice that
2: the NBA is doing that, releasing. I wonder how legally difficult that was with just television rights. But wow. (laughs) That's good down there.
1: Oh wow, they're, they're, they
0: they support lead Pass. They're, they're they're into it. Yeah,
1: it was uh, <laughs> it was our it was our mailman who got us into the habit of giving uh, cookies. So our dogs like my mailman more than they like myself.
2: Yeah, apparently, well, I never I get, get
1: it more. So if the mail carriers wanted to
2: bring me cookies, I wouldn't mind. Anyways, uh, so I have a few games listed. I the, I mean. It feels, again, it feels like years ago, but on March 1st, the Lakers played the Pelicans, and LeBron and Zion were so good. It was just, like, play after play after play of just basketball ecstasy. Uh, so I have that circled as a game that I would love to rewatch. Um, way back when, on October 27th, the Grizz and the Nets went to overtime, and Ja went for 30-9, and and that was great. That was just like a, whoa, who is this kid kind of moment. Um If he kind of has the career trajectory that we hope we're having, I'm sure it's going to be like a uh, uh, NBA TV classics at like two in the morning kind of game just because it's it's a moment in NBA history. And then there was a stretch uh, starting in January where Damian Lillard went for 34, 34, 61, 47, 50, 36, 48, and 51. And they were all hard fought. I mean, any of those games, I would recommend rewatching. There's, I think it was against the uh, Rockets where he just buried them. Um, so that whole stretch where he gets hot, I'm going to remember that so fondly. And I think there's a bunch of games to rewatch from those because he was just out of control.
0: Let's dial in a little bit more since this is a Celtics podcast on the Celtics and maybe our favorite performance of the season from a single player.
2: Uh, Well, I loved Jason Tatum versus the Lakers. That game was phenomenal. I also, when uh, Kemba goes for 40 and 11 versus the Bucks. I have some trivia. So Kemba led the team with 40 points and 11 rebounds. Who led the team in assists that night? And they had four of them.
1: Smart. Nope um It's got to be a weird, I want to say like Tice or something like that.
2: It was Brad Wanamaker.
1: Wow. Nice.
2: Yeah. So uh, maybe that's an indictment of Kemba Walker's game that we could talk about later. But, anyways, <laughs> uh, it was a good game. And then there was a game, if you're really bored as a Celtics fan, back in January, the Celtics played the Bulls and it was the Tatum and Cantor show. So if you want to uh, have some revisionist history where. And Escanter was a contributing member of this Celtics team. That's a game to watch.
1: So I had um, a Christmas Day game. I, so it's when Jalen Brown. He just had this really efficient. I, I don't even think he did anything too spectacular. I mean, obviously dropping thirty points is pretty great. Um, but he was ten of thirteen from the floor, five of seven from three. But he was just scoring in all of the different ways that people were looking for him to score going into the season. So um, it was great to you know you rewatch that game you'll see him um hit fadeaways you'll see him get to the rim you'll see him cross people up and create his own shot um so that's always a fun one for me to go back to and then i you know i i just i needed to throw robert williams some love in this podcast Mm -hmm. and he's not like he had many games at all this season but um his game at san antonio when he had all those monster dunks um caught an alley-oop off an inbounds play and finished with six blocks like for me, that was the reason uh, scouts had him as a lottery-level talent going into the draft and just kind of getting like a glimpse of what he could be. Um, so I thought that was a great performance from him and um, hopefully an, an indicator of what he's going to do if he can stay healthy.
0: Yeah, for me, I think the the Tatum game versus the Lakers, um, the 23rd of February. I mean, it was a losing effort, but I mean that was that was mm. up. That was it's really hard. That or Kemba Walker's 44 points against Indiana. I mean, Indiana, you know, they're not like an elite team or anything like that, but it was really nice to see Kemba cooking like that. I, and I I do want to emphasize to just some Robert Williams appreciation. I think the passing game that he's starting to develop or started to develop, I should say. That's
2: right.
0: Um, that could be so huge. I mean, if he can really be able to dump off like that and, you know, shoot more away from the basket. He started to develop a bit of a mid-range game. Not super far away from the basket, but far enough where he adds something that the Celtics don't really have. Um that could be really, really big going forward. And, you know, I'm still on the fence, whether or not he's going to be, you know, more than kind of like a middling starter, but the, the tools are there for something really special. Uh, if he could stay healthy, um, who's our player of the season.
1: I, I got to go with Tatum, right? I mean, just the ascension that he's had, you know, it's funny because you always get jealous of other teams when their players make the rise or the, or make the jump or the leap, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, I remember when Anthony Davis had that – I think it was a couple of years ago. He had, like, that month of February where everybody was like, okay, mm-hmm. he's here now. Um, and I don't know if Tatum's leap was exactly the same, but it was a leap. And he carried the Celtics through so many games defensively. Um, he he was, you know, just as good – or, you know, almost just as good right around the same ballpark as Marcus Smart. Made a huge impact. I got to go with Tatum. I don't know if I could justify going with somebody else.
2: Yeah, I mean – I think the correct answer is Tatum, and actually if you are a humble listener, if you are interested in going back and watching Celtics games, any of I think starting in like the first of February when he gets named an all star and from people in the know, they said that that was like a huge weight off his shoulders. he really wanted to be an all star and you could see him in his game, he just goes nuts uh so really any uh yeah I mean Tatum has to be the answer I really just I love rooting for Jalen Brown. Um, so I really want to shout out Jalen Brown, but I guess I would be remiss if I also didn't shout out Daniel Tice um, Mm. because a narrative for the Celtics team was, well, what about the center? What about the center? And, I mean, it persisted, but Daniel Tice mostly ended that narrative. Uh, So Tatum is probably the right answer, and Brown uh, is the answer my heart wants to give, but I'm going to just give a muddy, ugly answer and also mention Daniel Tice.
0: I like that. I was going to include Kemba Walker for very similar reasons, just because I think that he was the linchpin that provided the chemistry. We can't do counterfactual history and know whether these guys would have played together like they did last season again without him, because Mm -hmm. they have him. But for me, I mean, as an avid UConn fan, um, just watching how Kemba, you know, in 2011 took a mediocre team and just, like, dragged them through one of the most crazy postseason runs i've ever seen from anyone um it just shows me the 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 strength of his leadership skills even if his game has not been everything we would have liked i still think that he was an instrumental part of the
1: season was brad wanamaker on that pittsburgh team
0: he was he was on the floor when he sunk that i thought he was yeah Yeah. that was insane that that it started with wanamaker and ended with brad
2: basically Mm. Can I just say something? Mm. Kemba traveled. That was a travel. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's that's slander here.
2: That's not I a I went to pit, so it was a travel. <laughs> I'm wearing Understood. pit shorts right now. Understood. He invented the hardened step back, which is a travel. Or ought to be. <laughs> I don't know. Jeez.
0: Whole new podcast right there. Top five games of the Celtics season for each of us. Yeah.
1: Sure. Um, so I'm going to stay with that Clippers-Boston game. That's going to be one of them. Um, oddly enough, and I don't know if I'm just like a masochist, but I loved that Pacers-Boston game, the most recent one, um, because it just like it reminds me of what this season was um how the Celtics could look really really good at one moment and then you're like oh there's no way they're going to blow this game and then they like came back and pulled it out um so that was one of um uh, the lake the the win when they kind of blew out the Lakers was awesome um
0: there was no maybe, about it <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> that's right um, Maybe I'm associating it with like the good times of the holidays, but that Toronto game was just a complete game against a team that's really, really good. Um, so when I think of the Christmas Day game, it's for me, it's like it's that that glimpse of when this team is playing at their peak, how good they could be. Um, and you know what? I'm gonna substitute my last Celtics game for the All Star game in general. I'm gonna do that because. Um, obviously you get to watch a couple of your favorite guys play, but I wanted to show some love on on here for how fun and entertaining that Elam ending was. Um, so I'm going to put an asterisk and just, you know, because there are some Celtic players, I'm going to insert it as my last favorite Celtics game. Uh,
2: That seems fair. Uh, actually, I'm going to piggyback on that. I was pretty concerned about All-Star Weekend. I thought that the changes that they made, uh, were terrible and I'll just eat crow and say... It ended up being a really good product, and I thought the dunk contest, even though the ending was weird, a dunk contest was phenomenal. Uh, no Celtics participants that I know of, but uh, really Not true. Technically, really, why? Who was in it? Oh right. Oh, technically. Okay, I won't spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it. Technically, Justin's right. Uh, but yeah, so I will. I will add that to my list. Uh, if you're like me, looking for some Marcus Smart moments, uh, he went for 37 and 8 against the suns sometime in january that was a great game I, I think he was like shooting out of his mind from three uh he was really great in that first overtime loss to the clippers and then that double overtime i mean there was some replay stuff that i mean maybe on league pass they'll pare down how much sitting on your hands there is as a fan but until the refs kind of let the game get away from him that overtime game with against the clippers was great back in february uh And any of the Rockets games, even though uh, the Celtics, the most recent Rockets games, the Celtics did not win those games. uh, Until they weren't, they were really compelling, interesting stuff. I have to
0: agree. I I want your opinions on the Rockets game, particularly the new, you know, the pocket Rockets game. I think (laughs) they are beatable. They They are eminently schemable when you have time to dial down. But I wanted to get your guys... Opinion on that because I think that's one of the bigger narratives that we are not going to get a resolution on.
2: What the the po- I love that pocket rockets is amazing. Yeah, no, there's no way that that was going to be successful in the Western Conference in the playoffs. There's just too many big bodies. Uh, neither James Harden nor Russell Westbrook are players that you could depend on in the postseason, anyways. And so it just – it was going to crash and burn, I think. It would have been cool for a game. They would have hit, like, 43s, and it would have created some buzz. But, uh, no, I don't think that that was tenable.
1: Yeah, I hate to sound Barkley-esque here, but <laughs> like, at some point, you know, I would have loved to seen them get matched up with the Lakers and have the Lakers run on a lineup of LeBron – and A D and Dwight Howard and see how the Rockets would have responded. Um but at the end of the day, things like rebounds matter, right? Things like size matter. Um and you know not, and you can even see it a little bit with the Celtics this year. Like sometimes that's where Ty struggled. they struggled against bigger players. Um and I, it would have been interesting and I'm sure there would have been a game where the Rockets, just like you said, Cam launched up a ton of threes and made a ton of threes and it would have been all over sports center. But I don't think I just don't think it could have lasted. I don't think it's sustainable.
0: I tend to agree with both of you. Um for my five games, it's you know, I, I hate to repeat a lot of the ones that you guys talked about. Um one new one for me, uh, you know, I'm gonna put these in descending order, was the Toronto game, the second game of the season after we lost to we, as if I'm on the Celtics. Um cool. after <laughs> um, I, I hate when people do that and I do it myself sometimes. Um when, when Philadelphia had just beaten us and we were like, oh, God, what is this season going to be? Um, it was really important, at least to me, to calming down the sky's falling feelings. Uh, so for me, even though it wasn't, you know, too important in the overall arc of the season, uh, just for setting a tone and reestablishing something more positive, it was important to me. Um, the October 30th win over the Bucks um, was another important when in a similar kind of a vein, it really showed that there might be something there um, in terms of contention. And then the obvious, um, you know, we all mentioned this one, the, the Clippers overtime loss. Um, even though it was a loss, um, I really felt that that established Boston as, as at least a legitimate fringe contender. Uh, and the Christmas Day win over Toronto that we've been talking about, I think that really confirmed uh, Boston as maybe not necessarily a top contender, but a real contender. And of course, again, that that, you know, blowout. Of the Lakers. One more thing uh, before we get out of here. um, What do we think is going to happen with this uh, season? Like, are we going to have a regular season? Are we going to have a playoffs? And what do we think the league is going to go with?
1: so my, my heart, I'm not gonna, I was so close to doing the R Kelly lyric, like my mind's telling me no. Um, <laughs> so my, my, my heart wants obviously this season to be played out. And I don't think there would be a regular season, but there would be a playoffs. But my, my mind's telling me that I don't think we're going to have any more basketball, um, for, you know, until we reach the new season. And, that, like, just, for lack of a better word, that just really sucks to say out loud. Uh, <laughs> that was the first time I said that out loud, and I don't like it, but I, I just, I think that's what's going to happen.
2: Yeah, I suspect it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better in this country. I could see a world where, in July or August, things have cooled off, maybe, where uh, they have a playoffs, five game, three-game, five-game series, just to nominally say they oh. did it. Uh, I thought, and we're so starved for content, so maybe it's just what we need to be talking about. I thought that the suggestion that maybe this is a good thing and the NBA season should always start in December and end in August is cute. But I think that television ratings over the summer would just not be tenable. So um, for anyone who has played with that thought experiment, I, I suspect that I don't agree with it. I am not. A doctor, uh, but I think there is a world where this virus gets very bad, slightly cools off in the summer, and then comes back in the fall with a vengeance. So I actually think that there is a world where uh, next season is in jeopardy. Um, as we're taping this, Woj just tweeted that he has taped a pod with Andy Slavitt, who is a very smart person on this matter, so uh, as a continuing ed resource I would commend anyone listening to this podcast to go listen to that podcast if they want people who actually know what they're talking about uh to give an update on that front. But speaking of people who don't know what they're talking about, Justin, what do you think's gonna happen? <laughs> it's well, a great I transition. A yeah,
0: no, I am a doctor and I also have no idea what is going on because I'm the wrong kind of doctor. Um, I do have uh, some people in, in my anthropological circles I'm going to try to get to come on and speak about this who are a bit more informed about public health than I am. But even in my limited understanding of the public health situation we're dealing with, uh, the the parameters that you are talking about, Kim, are very reasonable as an outcome. And we really could be looking at an extended period without basketball, which really, really stinks. Uh, I do think that we will probably see some efforts um, – uh to inject a little basketball back into our lives adam silver talked about a charity game with a a diminished staff to kind of you know respect the limits on gatherings that we were hearing about the big three has talked about doing some scaled down tournaments as well i think we could see stuff like that happening in a very limited context just to keep you know basketball um going in some kind of capacity almost as a life support and i realized that's not a good way to frame things um so i tend to agree with you um No matter what happens, we should all really be considering how we can contribute to keeping people safe. And the best information we have so far is to stay away from each other as much as we can, to stay in our homes as much as we can. I know not everyone can, and that's just a reality we are in right now. Um, To put pressure on our elected officials to get things like ventilators and drugs and treatment uh, capacity ramped up as much as possible. And you know to look out for each other with mutual aid, um, checking in with each other, you know, like as much um, psychologically, even if not materially, and to continue devising interesting and creative ways to stay connected socially without being physical, physically proximate. Um, you guys want to add anything to that before we get out of here?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, go for it, Esposito. Um, so obviously, you know, I'm not, everything you said is, um, what I, what I would say as well, Justin, but, um, and I'm not telling everyone to go out there and, and donate only do it if you have the means, but, um, I saw that Bill Simmons just tweeted something out where he's going to match up to, I think $50,000, um, in donations for, I forget what it is. It's in a tweet. It might be like a mass food bank or something like that. So, um, you know, if, if, if you can afford to do so, you know, now is the time to, To think about other people and and give a little bit if you can.
2: To that end, uh, John Oliver and um, Trey Young have brought this to the public eye, but there's an organization called RIP Medical Debt that uh, for every $100 you donate will forgive $10,000 in medical debt. Uh, There's not enough time in the day to explain why that is a thing. Um, But there's a lot of people who, yes, won't have access to food, but will also be really financially strained Uh, so that is an organization that I've worked with before that I would recommend to people if they feel like they have an opportunity to make a difference and are looking for the best place to spend their money. Um, and on a lighter note, what song are you guys singing to yourselves while you wash your hands? I'm singing the old NBC, uh, basketball song. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's how I've been tracking my hand washing. What about you guys? I've been
0: doing that too. Also, the ABCs right. twice over, uh, but that was before I discovered that. All right.
1: So happy
2: I've birthday, seen the Happy Birthday song, like a
1: simp. So I yes, and but <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's true. But it's not been the original Happy Birthday. It is the Stevie Wonder. All happy right. Birthday. Oh, yeah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, so you know I do have a little bit of flavor, not too much, but but a little bit.
0: So where can we find you guys? Uh, and what are you working on, if anything, that you want people to know about? Uh, Matt. Sure.
1: Um, so on Twitter, I am um, Matt Esposito underscore and uh, right for Red's Army right now. Like I said earlier in the show, I just put out a piece on um, kind of like a, a deeper dive on Romeo Langford. Um and I will have something similar coming out on Daniel Tice and a little review on on his season so far. So some strengths and some weaknesses. Um, I encourage you to check it out. And um, hopefully it's good. I don't know. You never know if your writing is good, but hopefully it is. So give it a read if you can.
0: I'm into it.
2: Cam. Uh, I'm pretty caught up with my bird feeder right now, so I haven't done <laughs> any writing. That's uh, great. I do. In theory, I write for Off the Glass Basketball and Celtics Hub uh i think once i hit boredom rock bottom i'll get back and hopefully have something interesting and worthwhile for people hungry for content but if not maybe i'll just live stream my bird feeder
0: i'm into that too
2: i would check that out don't it's not it's not there yet it was six dollars at the supermarket i don't know what i was thinking you were
0: thinking good thoughts
2: thank you thank you thank you for filling my bucket when i need it most
0: Well, you can find my work uh, in trying to invent things related to the Celtics uh, to write about. Um, I think we're doing an okay job over at Celtics Wire. Uh, Let us know if you want to see or hear anything different than what we're doing. Um, And we will be happy to oblige. Um, You can find me on Twitter at justinquinnn 3 n's because someone already poached my actual name and I was impatient can find the pod on most podcatcher apps please subscribe so you never miss an episode and if you like what you hear please rate us five stars if you don't like something uh please don't murder us uh and better yet make a suggestion let us know uh how we can fix it with a comment on twitter or the hashtag clpod always trying to bring you the deepest dives into something's coverage stay safe and take care y'all